Hey, New City family. Thank you for coming to listen to this week's message. This is AJ Farthing, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New City. Our mission is to see Jesus change lives and reach the world. We want you to be a part of that movement by helping you grow as a disciple and encouraging you to share with others. So be sure to share this with someone you know to help encourage them. If you happen to live in the Tampa area, come check out our church on Sunday mornings at 920 or 11 a.m. You can find the information and other resources on our website, newcitytpa.com. I pray this message encourages and challenges you in your faith, and you take this message and share it with those in your life. Well, Merry Christmas, New City Church. Uh, it is so good to be with you. It's so fun seeing all the kids in here with us. It is like, this just warms my heart. Uh, this is not going to be a super long message, or long as typically. Um, so, uh, just I'm, I'm excited that we're here um, you know, Christmas is one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, I just love the lights. I love the Christmas music. I love all of the movies. Uh, I love the kids' productions. It is just a lot of fun. You know, growing up, my, um, some of my, my two favorite Christmas classics um, were The Grinch, um, which uh, the, the 1966 version, not the 2018 version um, that my family watched last night. Uh, I just think the other one's way better. Um, and I also loved a Christmas story. Uh, and I always loved the creativity of Dr. Seuss uh, in The Grinch. For whatever reason, the theme song, I'm not, I kind of want to sing it, but I'm not going to sing it. Uh, the theme song of The Grinch, it always kind of got stuck in my head. Um, and then everyone singing in Whoville uh, always just kind of warmed my heart. And then there's the, you know, the, the Chris, a Christmas story. It, it always caught my attention, that movie. Um, it always left me wanting a BB gun for Christmas. Um, and it just kind of piqued my curiosity, wanting to see someone lick a metal freezing uh, metal pole in the freezing snow just to see what would really happen. Um, you know, I never really did it. I sure did try to get others to do it. It never, uh, but it never panned out that way. Um, no one ever took me up on it. But I think we can all agree there is something very compelling about a really good story that just draws us in. Um, there's something that just kind of tugs on our hearts, seeing, uh, seeing the Grinch transform in the movie from a grouch to a joyful and a cheerful giver. And then, and then when you watch a Christmas story, we see more than just the warning that you could shoot your eye out, right? But you see a picture of a family and desire and persistence and an honest look at a life of a young boy at Christmas time. And when we watch these movies, yes, we can be entertained by them. Maybe our hearts are warmed a little bit. Um, but let's be honest, watching the Grinch isn't exactly, watching the Grinch, it's not exactly life altering. Um, maybe it left us, it left me trying to be nice to my sister, um, maybe for about 20 minutes. But that was about it. That was about all the change that I had from the Grinch. Um, like, and then the Christmas story, the only change I had from that story was wanting a BB gun every Christmas. But the real Christmas story, the true Christmas story of Jesus' birth that we celebrate tonight, it is a life-changing uh, story. It's eternity-altering. And the reason the story of Jesus' birth exists, it's not just for us to be nicer people. No, this story exists to give us hope and to transform our hearts and our life and our eternity. And I think we can all agree we could all use a little bit more hope in our lives. Like there's something about our lives and our world that just leaves us longing and yearning for just something more. Like just longing for everyone to get along. Longing just for our relationships to get better. Longing for our finances to turn around, for health to improve. There is just a, a natural part of being human that we all know of. Uh, we, like we live in a world that is just far from perfect. And hope is something 
that every person under the sun needs. There's not a person in this room that doesn't need a little bit more hope. And I'm here to say that the story of Jesus is the remedy for every person on the planet that we are all longing for. You know, in our services so far this, uh, this afternoon, We've already read the Christmas story of Jesus' birth, and so we're, not, we're, we're gonna go back through it, uh, walk back through the story, and ultimately see as our main idea um, is that Jesus is the savior of the world. Jesus came to rescue the world. He, he came to rescue us. He came, uh, he came uh, to rescue us from our broken world. Jesus came to bring hope in the darkness. And maybe you're here and you've heard that a thousand times, or maybe you've never heard that, that Jesus can provide us hope. Or maybe you're like, well, so what? I don't care. Can we please just be done with this? And I get it. S- sitting in church, when you don't want, really want to sit in church, it's just not very fun. Um, it's like this obligatory task that we have to do on Christmas just to keep people happy. And if that's you, I hope you'll listen up because um, that's where I was. Um, I was there until one day I heard what I'm about to share with you and then it all clicked and here I am. And, and so I'm asking for about 20 minutes to go through this story and show you how this story can radically transform your life. And if you're here and you've heard this story a thousand times, I'm hoping that the Lord will move our hearts to thankfulness and to worship the Lord again today. And I also wanna ask you just to be praying for the Spirit of God to come in and to move among us and uh, for people to see the beauty of Jesus, for, for God to open up eyes to see how great and marvelous and wonderful Jesus is. Because as we know, Jesus was born into this world to be the savior of the world and to offer hope. But we have to ask, so what? Like, what's the big deal? Like, this seems like a bit of a stretch for Jesus to offer me hope. Uh, and so I want, if that's you, I want, I want you to just hang with me. Uh, because the first thing I want to point out from our story that we've already read is that this is not a fairy tale. This is not a made up story. But number one, this is a real story. The first five verses of Luke chapter two, they give us all sorts of historical information. For example, it says this was during the time of Caesar Augustus. So this was during the Roman Empire. And we see the name of the governor and the names of the cities and the towns and there's all sorts of historical uh, information that can be compared with other historical documents. And today, our year 2023 is dated based on Jesus's birth. Like it's 2,023 years after Jesus was born. And so the birth of Jesus, it's a real story. It's a true story. This is a historical story. Again, this is not some made-up fairy tale that's supposed to give us the warm and fuzzies and so we just go about our day. No, this is a historically reliable story during a time in history that was full of tension and unrest. In fact, Caesar Augustus, uh, that name means the supreme. It means the sublime, the majestic one. Caesar Augustus, as, as a political ru- ruler during the Roman Empire that we see mentioned back in verse 1, he expected to be worshipped. He wanted to be called Lord. History shows that he wanted to be called a savior. He wanted to be uh, equated with the Roman gods. And so this is the time that Jesus was born into. It was just a very dark time in history for God's people. And also in those first few verses, what else did we see? Well, we saw uh, Joseph and his fiance Mary. Uh, And it says they were betrothed to be married, which is kind of like being engaged. And then it says she was with child. She was pregnant. And so here's Mary. She's engaged to Joseph and Mary's pregnant, but not with her fiance Joseph. And so I think you can imagine the complexity that's going on here. Like this is a little bit of a tricky situation. And then we see over in the book of Matthew, 
We see Joseph's side of the story over in the, in, the, in, the, in the Matthew account, and it says he was ready to divorce her quietly and not to shame her. But then an angel came and spoke to, to, to Joseph, confirming that Mary told him uh, what Mary told him was true, that the Holy Spirit put Jesus inside of Mary. And also over in Luke chapter one, a, a chapter before Luke two, we also saw an angel come to both Mary and also Zechariah, these two contrasting stories. And they tell the same thing about Jesus. And this is when the skeptic in the room starts to think, okay, I get Jesus as a real person that lived, but when we get into all this supernatural talk is when it starts to sound not so real anymore. And there are many things we could say about this. Um, but I, I think we have to agree that God created the world. It is a response of faith. Just like saying nothing created the world is, is a response of faith, which I would say is a pretty massive leap of faith. But we have to agree that if God can create the world supernaturally, and if Jesus performed miracles and, and was also raised from the dead, believing that God would also have angels, that's really not that big of a jump. But all this to say, this is a true story. This is a real story. And this is not a silly Dr. Seuss story or a fun little fairy tale. No, here's a, here a real story that we see Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem. Look what it says in verses six and seven. We'll read it again. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. And this is that well-known manger scene um, that maybe you saw in passing in the movie Home Alone 1, another great Christmas classic. Or maybe you saw it in the Charlie Brown Christmas uh, movie, or maybe <clears throat> you just saw it driving by a church somewhere. I don't know. Uh, but this is a famous manger scene after uh, Mary gave birth to Jesus in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Uh, in the end. And this is the manger scene uh, with the donkeys and the sheep and the wooden trough turned into a crib um, with sweet little baby Jesus lying there in the, in the crib, in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, the wooden trough there. And many of the scenes that we see, they all, they all look really peaceful, don't they? Like, they just look sweet and innocent. But it's, like it's kind of like a snapshot of a family picture. Um, the picture is beautiful, but everything leading up to that moment, let's just agree, it is, it is pure chaos. Total chaos. I mean, they were out in the middle of nowhere Bethlehem, and that inn that was full, that we hear about, the, the inn was full, uh, this was not the Marriott. This was not even the Motel 6. No, accommodations for travelers at this time would have been more of a shack, like with a roof out in the common yard, out where the animals were kept. Um, so that is the inn that was full. And here is Mary in labor, likely screaming in pain, and the inn was full, and here is Carpenter Joseph trying to catch Jesus being born. And Mary, I just kind of imagine this scene. Mary's like laying next to a donkey on one side and sheep poo on the other. And then there's like chickens flying around them with everyone around them watching. People were likely everywhere. Like privacy in this moment was kind of thrown out the window here. This would have been pure chaos. Embarrassment at its finest. Joseph, I just imagine him panicking. Mary crying and screaming, smelling feces as she's birthing Jesus, the Savior of the world. And there are a lot of things that we could say about this moment. We could talk about the humility of Jesus. We could talk about uh, Jesus being born in a manger, wrapped in a rugged blanket among uh, smelly animals, and how he left his kingly throne of heaven to come down to earth and to be more in the muck and stink of a barn, which speaks to how Jesus is not afraid to meet us in our lowliness. He's not afraid to meet us in our mess. We could say all sorts of things there. But today I want to point out to us that this is not just a real story, but this is also, number two, a well-known story. 
This is a real and true story that has totally altered history and has been told around the world for over 2,000 years. And I think we have to ask here, why? Like, why is this story of Jesus being born in a manger still talked about today over 2,000 years later? Like, why would millions and millions of people for over 2,000 years devote their, their life to this person sitting in this manger? I mean, many even being willing to die for their belief in this baby that was born in this manger during this chaotic moment. And no, I, I'm not saying here that Christianity is true because it's popular. That, that, that would be intellectual suicide. But I am saying it should pique our interest and make us curious to explore if it really is true. And what I am saying is that if Jesus' story is real and true, that he came down to earth to be born in a lowly manger, this story, it gives us incredible hope today. Like there is no situation we're in today that is outside of God's reach and care if this story is true. New City, it, if this famous story is real and true, it shows us that he didn't come just for the, he didn't come for the proud and the powerful, but he came for the poor and the powerless. This story shows us that Jesus came to offer hope to those who are longing for hope. It shows us that Jesus didn't come to be pampered in a golden cradle, but to be crucified on a bloody cross. Again, uh, Jesus was born so that he could die. He came to die for your sins. He came to die for my sins and to be the savior of the world. Again, if this story is real and true, we have hope for forgiveness. If this story is real and true, we have hope for eternal life and we have hope for new life today. And because of all of this, with this story, it also shows us that Jesus is not afraid to enter into our messy lives and into our messy world. And if we're wondering why this story is still so popular 2,000 years later, it's because that hope and healing, it is still being found by people year after year after year. It's still such a well-known story because this story, it is still transforming lives all over the world, which again should make us at least just a little bit curious. And so that's kind of scene one of our story. Shows us a, a, a real well-known, a real and a well-known story of Jesus being born into a manger to his mother Mary. And then the manger scene kind of shifts gears here. If this is a play, this is when the lights would go from that side of the stage to this side of the stage. And we kind of see the scene shift. Because look what it says in verse eight and nine. And in the same region, again, the scene is shifting, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Again, uh, back in chapter one in the book of Luke uh, and also in, in Matthew, we see angels just showing up to several different people. I mean, angels are all over the Christmas story in the Bible. And now we see an angel coming again, two shepherds out in the field confirming Jesus' birth, which as a reader at this time, we, we hear the shepherds now, we think, oh, that's cool. But at the time, this would have seemed like an interesting pick because shepherds, they were not seen in high regard uh, in society. They were, they were like one step above the lepers. Like their testimony at this time would have not held up in a court of law. And interestingly enough, because of the nature of the shepherd's work, they also would not have been allowed inside of the temple. These shepherds were on the fringes of society. And these shepherds are who God sent these angels to. Which again, as a side note, shows us that nobody, absolutely nobody is outside of the reaching care of God's love. Absolutely nobody. 
But what I want to point out about the verses we just read is that it says the glory of the Lord shined or shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And what's, what's crazy about this, this instance of the, the glory of the Lord shining around them, you know, in the Bible when we read of a visible expression of God, it comes with uh, the presence of uh, what Jewish writers called the Shekinah, uh, which is just a fun and fancy word that means God's divine presence. And it's like this blazing, blinding glory of God. And when people saw this blinding, shining light, it was, uh, they were overwhelmed by it. They were driven down to their knees by this Shekinah glory. And so when it says they were filled with great fear, it's likely referring to them being overwhelmed by God's shining glory. Again, there are a lot of things we could say about this, but at the very least, what we can't ignore about this story is that this is also a divine story, number three. It's a true story, it's a real story, it's a well-known story, but it's also a story that is ordained by God. God's presence is in the Christmas story. Jesus being born, the angels, the glory of God, all of it says that God has come down to earth. This is not a basic story that talks about a simple baby. No, this is a story that declares that God has come down to earth to, uh, to live among his people, which speaks a little bit to why so many billions of people have given their life to this. Like it's either true or it's not. It's either true or it's just absolutely crazy. Nothing about this real and well-known story allows us to stand idle with indifference. Either God came down to live among his people or he didn't. But if it's true, the hope that this brings, it is extraordinary. If this blazing, shining glory that's shown to the angels has been given to us as believers through the, the power and the avenue of the Holy Spirit that's living inside of those who profess faith in Christ, this is something, there is something that is very, very special that's happening here in the Christmas story. Again, it's either true or it's not. It's either a divine story or it's a crazy lie that billions of people for centuries have been tricked by. And here we are seeing, again, these, these shepherds are out in the field and they've encountered the glory of the Lord and they're overwhelmed. They're just overwhelmed with awe and fear and they look at what the angel says to them. Look at verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you, Christ, uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David uh, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. New City, these, these words are monumentally societal shattering and life altering. For, for those who have heard these words would have had to wrestle with either Jesus is Lord or Caesar is Lord because they can't both be true. Again, these were shepherds that were not allowed to be in the presence of God for their work. These were shepherds that were often dirty and on the fringes of society. And an angel came down to them and said, fear not, I bring to you good news. Fear not, I bring you good news that is filled with great joy that will be for all people, which included those shepherds that were on the fringes of society. The angel says, unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Again, these shepherds, they weren't special people with special training or, or special standing. They weren't extra holy and they were not extra religious. No, they were shepherds out in their field doing the work that kept them out on the fringes of society. And God went out of his way to see these shepherds and to send these shepherds an angel to say that they had good news. They told these shepherds that they had a reason to have joy. 
Uh, New City, this isn't just a real story or well-known story, a divine story, but this is also, number four, a deeply personal story. Up until Luke chapter one, there hadn't been any sign of hope for over 400 years. And when Jesus came, he came to bring hope to people. He came to bring hope to these people. And he also came to bring hope to you and to me. Because notice again what the angel said. The angel said, I have good news of great joy. That will be for all people. And what is that good news of great joy that is for all people? That good news was that Jesus Christ was born. That good news was that the Savior of the Lord of the world was born. Christ the Lord was born, which means this good news of great joy that Jesus Christ was born, it's also for you and it's also for me. You know, when we think, who are all these people? Us here today, we are included in all people. This true, well-known, divine story is a story that takes a very personal step into the story of our own lives. This is not a story about a person somewhere out in the world that we just, we're just totally disconnected to. No, the story of Jesus' birth is a story that intersects with your, your story and my story. In fact, the story of Jesus' birth exists because of your story and my story. Jesus didn't come bringing good news and great joy to some people and not to others. No, this good news of Jesus is for all people all over the world. God didn't send Jesus to simply amaze us, uh, but to be with us and to help us and to transform us. God came down to earth to live and dwell and to make residence, to live in our world and to live in our hearts and to be with us. Jesus came to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, one, one thing we see all over the Bible is that our God is a deeply personal God. He knows you and me by name. He knows all of our deepest fears and worries and pains. He knows our struggles and joys and our hopes. And he saw them up in heaven uh, and sent the, he, then he sent Jesus down to earth to be born as a baby so that God's story could intersect with our stories. God, so that our struggles and our worries and our fears and our excitements could be surrounded by the power of God to provide hope when we see no other way for hope. You know, I just think about these shepherds out in the field seeing the, the Roman Empire. I just kind of imagine them just in, in this moment seeing the Roman Empire being built and, and expanding around them. And who knows, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they wondered how Caesar Augustus would have affected their business. Maybe they wondered how their family could, conti could continue to carry on with all that was going on. And, and, and you know, we don't know with, with what all the fears and worries they had and, and we don't know the thoughts they would have had, but I know one thing for sure they were likely a lot like you and me. They likely had a story that was filled with love and concern and fear and, and excitement. They had a story that was mixed with hopefulness on some days and worry on the others. Uh, they likely had days where they wondered how they could make ends meet, and they also likely had days where they were just overwhelmed by God's provision. This is uh, not just your story and my story, but this is the story of the world, which is exactly why Jesus came down to earth to live among us. Jesus came to intersect his power with our lives. Jesus came to intersect his hope into our hopelessness. He came to bring good news of great joys that, that God came to live among us and to be with us and to save us from the penalty of our sin. And how do we know this would be true? Because the angel told them a sign. The angel gave them confirmation. Look what they said in verse 12. This is what the angel said. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased 
Can you imagine this, what the shepherds witnessed here? I mean, the angels gave them confirmation that Jesus would be born, and then the angels worshiped. It says a heavenly host worshiped. All the angels began praising God, and the, I mean, the angels were even impacted by Jesus' birth, and the lowly shepherds there, they were just witnesses to all of this. And when these shepherds saw the confirmation of Jesus' birth after seeing the angels worship Jesus, they also were moved to praise and worship. They knew that joy and peace forever and ever was possible. Like, they were... They were incredibly hopeful at this moment. But I want you to notice that peace that's mentioned. It is a very particular peace. It's a very specific peace. And it's for a very specific people. The angel said, peace on earth. Among those, this is uh, verse 14, among those with whom he is pleased. Which means... This good news that is for all people that leads to rejoicing and joy and peace are only for those with whom Jesus is pleased. And church, this is a really big deal. I don't know about you, but I want peace and I want eternal joy. So it seems like Jesus being at peace with me would be a really big deal. And so we have to ask, how do you and I get Jesus to be pleased with us? I, mean, I don't know about you, but I have a long list of things throughout my life that maybe God isn't so pleased about. We all do. This is what we call sin. We, ha- we all have sin in our life that God is not pleased with. And so we have to ask, how do we get God to be pleased with us? And church, family, the, the answer is so good and so simple. It is just almost ridiculously silly. The answer for us is found in the gospel. The answer is not by looking to the sign of the manger, but rather it's by trusting in the sign of the cross and the resurrection that confirmed the manger was real and true. To say it a different way, how did Jesus get how did how do we get Jesus to be pleased with us? The simple answer is believe in Jesus. It's that simple. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. We believe that Jesus was born, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and then three days later rose from the dead. When we believe that, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, Jesus is pleased with us. It's that simple. When we trust in Jesus and follow him, peace is available. Joy is available. This is what God came to bring. He came to bring hope and joy and peace on earth. And as, we, as the story ends, these shepherds, they responded to what the angel said. They went and found Jesus lying there in the manger They believed all that had been told to them and they were moved to worship and praise. Look what it says in verse 20. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The angels left. The shepherds went to go see Jesus and they worshiped. They responded with worship and praise. And as we end our time tonight seeing this real true story, a well-known story, a divine story, a personal story, we must also see this is absolutely, number five, a story that demands a response. Y'all, I said this at the beginning. The The Grinch is one of my favorite Christmas movies, but it only affected me for about 20 minutes at best. But if the story of Jesus that started in the manger and continued with the cross and resurrection, if all of this is true, we can't stay idle in our response. If Jesus came to bring hope and joy to us, we must respond to the hope and joy that he has for us. 
Like we must give Jesus our life in salvation, but we also day after day, we must also surrender our life to be the Lord of our life. It is a daily surrender to Jesus. New City, Jesus, Jesus didn't come to simply warm our hearts. No, he came to transform our hearts. Jesus didn't come to be a cool idea of hope. No, he came to be real and true hope that is with us day after day after day. New City, the greatest gift we have this year and every year is that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world that came to live among us. So the question we have to ask tonight is will we take the gift and will we open it? Will we enjoy this gift of Jesus day after day? Or will we ignore it, put it to the side, forget about it? Church, Jesus has a gift to offer us in the gospel. He gave his life so we could find new life, but we have to ask ourselves, how will we respond? Will we take the gift of salvation found in Jesus or will we ignore it? It is a free gift for each of us to enjoy forever. So I hope and pray that each of us would receive and enjoy the gift of Jesus that, that Christmas, like this Christmas, we have Jesus. Will we let him transform our lives? Will we let Jesus transform our eternity? I hope and pray that we will. Let's, let's pray. God, we, we're so thankful that you came to live among us, that you came, that you were born so that you could die so that you could be resurrected, so that you could come and to live, into our li- live, into, live in our hearts and lives and transform our lives. God, if there's anyone here tonight, maybe listening online, God, if there's anyone or any person that has never given their life to Jesus, God, I hope and pray that they would do that right now. That the best gift that they would have this Christmas, that it would be Jesus Christ. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.